entering into our last week of prayer and fasting as a church family. And so, um, you know, last night, Courtney and I, Courtney's my wife, were laying in bed and just kind of talking, hey, what is it that we're, that we're hoping to get out of this kind of last week of really pressing into the Lord? And it was fun just kind of hearing her heart and getting to share some of my heart. And I woke up this morning just kind of thinking about, hey, what is it that I hope for us as a church family? And, you know, we have one more week and it's not like we're gonna quit pursuing God, but there's something about this season that we're in where, where we are, we're like pushing the pedal down a little bit harder. And I'm going, what is it that I hope for us? And this morning I'm going, man, that, that we would wake up to God. Like that, that, that we would come here and man, we would know the deep love of God. Like I love that song that Noah just led and God has just been just reviving my spirit, reminding me of who he is. And, and last night we were at this, this wedding, and there was just this really sweet moment where the, the vows had been made and uh, the kiss had been done and the husband and the wife were standing right there waiting to, to be pronounced. And it was just this moment where my, my friend, my brother, he took his bride's hand and he did it so subtly. Like, I don't know if other people noticed it, but he did this, but he just kind of took a step back and he kind of held her hand. And it was like this moment where he wanted everyone in the room's attention to be on her. And I know my friend, I know how long he's wanted to be married and how long he's, he's thought about this and wanted this. And there was something just holy about this moment where he was going, this is not a moment about me. This is a moment about celebrating my bride, about wanting his friends and his family to see this woman that he, he loves so much. And I just kept thinking about that, that imagery that, that Christ, like, like his bride is what we were called in the scripture, that, that for our entire existence, it's been him holding our hand and just going, I, I want you to know how dearly loved you are. And, and we will never understand that, that you and I will be caught up in this cultural Christianity. We'll get, we'll get caught up in, in just showing up on Sundays until the, the love of God touches our heart, until we understand that, that Christ looks at us and goes, you're the one that I want. And I'm, and I'm praying that, that this morning we, we come in here and so often we put these walls up around our heart. And sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it because we've been hurt or whatever it is, but we put these walls up and, and we clog our ears and we won't allow the love of God to come in. And this morning I've been praying that, that the walls would fall down, that the spirit of God would come in. And so we're in this series through the book of Nehemiah that we've been calling Awaken Us. And Catch us up on the past few weeks. Nehemiah, this man, he's living in the city a thousand miles away from his homeland. He's living in this palace, although he's a slave, he's living in comfort and the, 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 the circumstance, the predicament of his people, their spiritual and their physical condition just wrecks his heart. And he finds himself making this long journey, this thousand mile journey to Jerusalem. He rallies the people who are living there with the favor of the king and the blessing of God. And he rebuilds the walls, Andrew told us about last week. And this is where our story picks up this morning. Starting in verse one, it says, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of the Moses, of the Moses, of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And so the people get settled in their homes. There's just this powerful moment. You know that feeling when you get settled in. You know, this is back in August for some of you when you moved into the dorm. This is, you know, you, you get settled in your apartment or your home and, and you get your furniture you want it and you get the stuff on your walls and Comcast finally shows up and get your internet set up and, and you're settled in your home and you just sit down and you're like, oh, I'm no longer living out of boxes and I'm no longer sleeping on my mom's couch. Like I'm in my own place. And this is the feeling of the, the, the people of God, the Israelites, that, that the, the wall has been rebuilt and they're settled in their homes and it's that moment where they go, Oh, I can just relax again. And it's just so beautiful 
says that they, they get up one morning. There are about 50,000 people that are living in Jerusalem at the time. It says they gather at one, as one in the, in the town square. And they go to their spiritual leader, Ezra, and they say, would you, would you just read us? Would you read the Bible to us? And, and I was going, man, what is going on in their hearts? You know, I, I don't fully know, but for 140 years, this has not been their story. They'd been living as slaves in, in a different country, in a place that was not their own. And, and, they, and they wake up this morning and they realize that, that they're back in their towns. And this thing that they thought was never possible, uh, that's never gonna happen again. And they wake up and, and I just imagine there was just this deep sense of gratitude, this deep sense of awe at I can't believe how good God has been to us. They realize that, that God was not done with them. That God still had work to do, that God's affection was still for his people. And so they wake up this morning and they go, man, we, we, we wanna know what the, the word says. And I go, what drives, what would drive them? What's their motivation? To get up from their comfortable homes, to come to the square and just say, read the Bible. And I just was, struck by the, the overlap in this morning that, that this is your story. That you got out of a, your place that you live in. I don't know if it's comfy or not. I've not been to all your houses, right? And I sat on your couches. But, but you made the choice this morning. And on some level, you knew that you were gonna come in and you were gonna learn about who God is, what God desires for us. And the same thing that was happening, this hunger, this desire that was stirring up in the Israelites, I see in you this morning. It's a big deal that you're here. Let's keep going. Verse two says, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. And all the people listened to this. They listened attentively to the book of the law. And so, you know, from daybreak till noon, this is about six hours. For six hours, they listened as Ezra read the Bible to them, standing on their feet. I think it's easy to hear that. I found myself even doing this this week where I read that and I'm going, man, I don't love God that much. Like, I've never stood as someone read the Bible to me for six hours. I've never had a six hour, like just time with God in the word. And it's so easy to, to read that and to automatically just feel like less than, feel like, man, we could never measure up. But here's what I hope we come to this part of the story, understanding that these people had been so distant from God for so long, that these people had experienced separation from God. They'd experienced disobedience. They knew what it was like to sit in the consequences of their own actions. They had run from God. And they have this moment where they wake up and they realize that the wall has been rebuilt and they're back in their homes and, and that God was not done with them. And they come and they're just listening to the, to the story. You know, the book of the law of Moses is just the, the Old Testament. And there's something that was so captivating happening there that these people were reminded of their story, of their spiritual heritage. They were reminded that out of all the nations in the world that God chose them, the nation of Israel. They were not powerful. They were not influential. They were not important in anyone else's standard. But as Ezra, their leader, was, was reading the word to them that day, they were reminded that, that God chose them. They were listening as, as, as they were hearing the stories. This was their Ancestry.com moment. 
being reminded of who they are. Maybe they had forgotten it, or maybe they knew it and they were just running from it, but there was something about this moment where they were hearing about who God has always been and who they were that was captivating. They couldn't get enough. What if I told you that, you know, from now on, instead of church being from like, you know, it starts at 10. Most of you got here at 10, 15 this morning, just so you know. Um, starts at 10, for, from, from 10 until four, we're gonna have church. So just block off your schedules on Sunday. These people couldn't get enough of God. They could not get enough. I, I think about the, the, this thing that Courtney and I are trying to do in our home that, that we're trying to teach our kids to, that there's nothing more important than, than for them to grow up and to love the Lord with all of their heart and to love the people around them just like they love themselves. And so Courtney and I at, at breakfast, we don't do this every morning, but we, we try to, to sit around the table and just read the Bible to them. And there's this phenomenon that's happening in our oldest daughter, Finley, and, and sometimes Jones, where, where we'll read it and, and Finley will go, Dad, read more, right? But Mom, read more. And we see this in Finley, man, when, you, when, you've, when you've been in the desert spiritually, when you've been distant from God or when you're like Finley and you're hearing these stories for the first time about who God is, there's just this, this magnetic nature to who God is that we go, man, we just want more. Now, let me speak into this for you Christians. I know that every time you sit down and read and pray, you don't have a six hour prayer session with God, Right? It's not like every time we sit down to, to commune with the Lord, we have this just amazing, just life-changing experience. Like at least that's not been my encounter with the Lord when I spend time with him. But think about those times in your life when you're far from God. Think about those times in your life when you just sinned greatly. Think about those times in your life where you were wandering in the darkness and then you hear a song or a friend reads something to you or you hear the, a passage of scripture that reminds you of the goodness and the realness of God. And isn't it true that there's something about those moments when you've been in the desert and you, and you taste the life-giving water that your heart is just longing for more? And it's never a burden when you've been far from God and you understand that, that he's gracious and compassionate and forgiving. There's something about you when you've been running from God, you just go, man, I want more of God. If you come here today and, and uh, you're not a follower of Jesus or if you're far from God, this is like one of the most encouraging passages in the Bible. Why do I say that? Because uh, you know, these people had, had not been living the way that God wanted them to live. These people had been rebellious. And, and often we think, man, the type of person that would sit and listen to the Bible being read for six hours is this incredibly righteous person. And the reality is that's not who these people were at all. Now these people had been starving spiritually. They'd been tasting everything the world had to offer. And they start to taste something that satisfies them. And they go, man, we want more. We want more. For those of you who are not Christians, nothing will satisfy you like Jesus. That when he saves you, when he forgives your sin, when he puts the Holy Spirit inside of you, you will just have this, this longing in your heart to not just come here and to sing songs and to go, man, does God love me? But you'll have this desire. You go, man, I know that God loves me. I know that, that I'm his bride, that he looks at me with this affection and this joy. And you'll, you'll begin to go, man, I want you, God. 
You know this, Christians. Maybe you've forgotten, but nothing satisfies you like Jesus. You were made for the Lord. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I don't know what to call what was happening exactly in this passage in the people. What was leading them to this place of deep emotional response? Literally, the, the Bible was read. When's the last time the Bible was just read and you started crying? <laughs> it's been a long time for me. I don't know if that's ever even really happened. Hey, be quiet. I go, was it, was it them hearing the story and being convicted over their sin? Was it as the Old Testament was being read, they were, they were just so moved by the love and the faithfulness and the goodness of God? I'm not sure, but what I do know is that there was a, a softness in the people's hearts. There was this openness. There was this receptivity to, to believe the things that they were hearing about God. And, and I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know what God is doing in your heart. But I often know that, that when, when we come out of, or when we're in seasons where we've just been running from God, where we've been disinterested and, and disengaged from God, and when God starts to wake us up, when God starts to speak, when we start to realize how bad we have been, when, when God starts to wake us up to who he is, so often our response is to want to sit in this place of, of guilt and shame and mourning. And I love that Ezra and Nehemiah says, no, no, today is not a time for weeping. Today is a time for, for rejoicing. And we go, but how? Like, you know, think about this. When, when you and I, and we all do this, and so no one is, is exempt from this. When we harden our hearts, when we do things that we want, when we run from God, isn't it appropriate and a good thing to grieve and to mourn? And I'm going, absolutely. But we can't stay in that place. And this is what Ezra and Nehemiah were on to here. I was talking to one of my good friends earlier this week and he was talking to me about, you know, through our, our fast and this month of, of praying, one of the things that he's been convicted of is, is the way that he's been treating one of his kids. And he just looked at me, we were talking on Monday and he just like was, he was like looking at the ground. He was just so dejected over, he's like, man, I've just been missing it and I've been, I've been failing here. And I could just tell deep in his spirit that he was so dissatisfied with the way that he'd been living. And I looked at him and I said, dude, Thank the Lord that he shined his light on that area of your life. This is not a moment for you to sit here and feel bad about how bad you've been. This is the opportunity that God is giving you to repent. Celebrate the fact that God didn't allow you to, 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 to have your kids under your roof your whole life. And then when they were out of the house for you to go, man, I totally missed it. Praise the Lord that your kids are still young. You see, when God convicts us, when he wakes us up to who he is or to who we are, we so often want to stay in this place of weeping. And Ezra and Nehemiah says, no, time for celebrating. Because I believe what was happening is, is that they could visibly see, and you can see when God is working in someone's heart. Right, like it, it doesn't take a mind read. I'm, I'm eating lunch with one of my friends a couple weeks ago and he was just sharing some things and confessing some sin. And I could just literally tell that God was just working in his heart, like just stirring him for, for more. 
And I think Ezra and Nehemiah saw that, that, that the discontent, that, that the, the, the people had been asleep. And, and, and he goes, man, when, when, when God sees that in us, he knows when a heart is sorrowful over sin and rebellion. He says, when you come to that place, don't we celebrate. And the reason we can do this the reason that we can move from this place of grieving to rejoicing is only because of Jesus, right? Amen. That Christ died for our sin. And we can and we probably should grieve that, the, the reality that, that our sin cost the Messiah his life. But the reality is death and sin, our sin did not get the last word in Jesus' life. And because of Jesus, death and sin, our sin, do not get the last word in our lives either. You see, when we don't move from this place of weeping to this place of rejoicing, it reveals something about us. It reveals that we are very comfortable embracing the death of Jesus, but we are not comfortable embracing the resurrection of Jesus. And you gotta hear this. Because each of us have sinned. When we sin, go for it. When we sin, God is not done with us. J.D., when you sin, God is not done with you. Do you know that? You know that, yeah. Christina, when, when you sin, God is not done with you. You know that, right? Mitchell, when, when you sin, you know that God is not done with you, right? Like, and, and we can go around the room. Dan, when, when, when you know that you've sinned, you know that God is not done with you, right? And so when we sin and when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we're not called to stay in this place of weeping, but this place of rejoicing. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of the resurrection, because of the cross, that our, our sin was nailed to it and we are, are forgiven because of the, the resurrection of Jesus. We have new life. A new covenant, as Jesus would call it. Perfect, forgiven, holy. And I love that Ezra and Nehemiah, they tell the people, go and feast. They literally say, go and, go and eat the, the best steak you can find. Go and drink the best wine that you have and share with those who don't have anything. And that's rich. That is, that, I wish I had another 30 minutes to talk about that. Because the same words for them are the words for us today. That if you've been walking in a season away from God, if if you're awakening, if you're being awakened to the reality that, that you're not who you want to be and that you're not who God wants you to be, he doesn't say sit there and mourn and grieve your sin. He says, no, rejoice. He says, eat the best and drink the best. And for them, it was, it was feasting on, on, on steak and on wine. And for us, the invitation is, is, is to feast on Jesus. That if you've been far from God, just come home. Just come back if you're discontent over how you're living. Just, just step back into relationship with them. Start praying again. And when you come to worship, don't put your hands in your pockets. Put your hands in the air and go, God, you're, you're great. You've been so patient with me. My heart is prone to wonder, but you've never, for, you've never forsaken me. And the invitation is to come back. The invitation is for those of you who don't know Jesus to step into relationship with him. It's not about how good you are, it's about how good he is. And the call for us, if we're discontent with how we've been living, is to feast on Jesus, to pray, to press in. 
So here in just a minute, we're going to take communion together. We're going to eat this piece of bread. We're going to drink this cup of, of juice, which represents so much to us. It represents that we are forgiven. It represents that, uh, that it reminds us of who we are. It reminds us that because of Jesus, we are in this new relationship, in this new covenant. And we're going to take this all together as a church family this morning. If you're not comfortable, if you come here today and, and you don't want to do this, you don't have to do that. If you're not Christian, you don't want to participate, that's okay, but, but you're welcome to if you like. And so here's what we're going to do. We're gonna go and get communion. We're gonna take it together and we're not gonna be sad about our sin. No, today we're gonna take communion and we're gonna celebrate our Savior, okay? We're gonna take it and as soon as we get done taking communion, we're gonna celebrate. And Noah's gonna lead us in a few songs. And I wanna, and I'll get to this in just a minute. Here's what we're gonna do. Go and grab a piece of bread, cup of juice, and come back and, and, and stay standing. And we're gonna take it all together as a church family this morning. So don't eat it, don't drink it. Um, go grab communion, come back, stay standing. We're gonna take this together. All right, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to hold the bread and the cup out in front of you. And I want you to imagine that Jesus Christ is standing right in front of you in the flesh. He's giving you some space, so he's not like right nose to nose with you, but he's in front of you. Picture Jesus. And I want you to say these words. I want you to repeat these words after me like, um, like you made it. And so don't just let these words just come out of your mouth as a whisper. This is the king. This is the one who's come for you, the one who's coming back for you. And I want you to let this be this moment of disconnection with, with the Lord Jesus. And so repeat after me. I thank you, Jesus, I thank you, Jesus that, I so to you. that I matter so much to you. You gave your life, gave your life. So, that I could be yours. so that I could be yours. Thank you for how much, you for how much. I mean to you. 
Thank you for how much I mean to you. Thank you for how much I mean to you. Let's eat the bread and let's drink the cup. I'm going to pray for us as, as you're finishing this. And so, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we want to be a church that just beats for the things that your heart beats for. And God, I ask right now that, that you would just tear open the heavens, that you would just release your spirit into this place, that you would move, that you would open us up, that you would knock down the walls, that your love would come in, God, that, that you, the King of glory, that you would come and you would live in our hearts, God. For those who are weary, would you refresh them, God? For those that don't know you, God, would you spark the, their hearts, spark an interest in God? Would you make us? into the kingdom on, on earth as it is in heaven. Would you help us to, to love the people that you love and to care for the things that you care about? And God, would you just use us? We raise our hand as a church family and we say, God, we're not content. We don't just want to be Sunday Christians. We want to be your people. We want to know your heart. And so God, all the things that we need, just, just dump them into our hearts. Open up our minds, God. Help us to understand your love, that we are like that bride and you are like the groom that's standing behind us, just wanting us to know how deeply loved. And God, we can't manufacture that. No word I can say can do that, but only you can. And so God, the way that you are opening our hearts right now, let people know that that's from you. And so Holy Spirit, come and minister to us. And as we sing, God, would you just release your spirit and your love in this room, in our place, in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.